Here we go. Another week of the DC Sports Huddle. I'm Dave Johnson with Rob Woodfork, Dave Preston, George Wallace. You see he is on the run at the Washington football team training as they count down. Of course, the game against Carolina Panthers. Hey, we're almost giddy this week. We have a Washington football team winning to talk about and going forward. Uh, the Washington Spirit in the championship game. If we have some time, we'll get to them. The Wizards, the Capitals, everybody's getting it done right now. So suddenly Washington's a hot place. But we have to start with the Washington football team. And we have to start with Rob Woodfork. Again, I'm not going to go out on a limb and talk about the NFL being fixed. However, it's it's a heck of a, a, a drama series, the way this league is constructed. Does anybody think it's coincidence that suddenly Cam Newton ends up in the Carolina Panthers a week before he plays Ron Rivera in the Washington football team. I mean, come on. There's too many of this stuff happens in the NFL. Smiling is Rob Woodfork because he's written now 25 columns why Washington <laughs> should have uh, claimed Cam Newton. And I, I joke about that, but they're all well-constructed arguments. And, and certainly we've, we've seen reasons why, as they've gone through quarterbacks, uh, that might have been a good option. Not Cam Newton is very much in Carolina. So we'll begin there, Rob Woodfork. I know you'll be writing about it on WTOP.com. This week, what a setup. Nice win over some guy named Tom Brady, the Buccaneers. But now the drama of Cam Newton playing his old coach. Yeah, and I know this is going to be George's favorite episode of the season by far since it'll be so Cam-centric. But, I mean, what he did coming off the street, literally coming off the couch, what he said was eating cereal and then coming in and then scoring uh, touchdowns on each of his first two touches of the game is just, uh, I mean, it's terrific. And they all, uh, getting the guy off the street and being able to integrate him into the offense, even if it's just a goal line package, was uh, was, was really good for Carolina. Who, oh, by the way, they, they didn't beat a slouch. It was a one-loss Carol, uh, uh, Arizona team at home that has a defense that ranks in the top five, both in scoring and in uh, yardage. So... This was not uh, this was not a cheap win on the part of the Carolina Panthers. But looking ahead to this week, I mean, Washington, look, we've been talking about how much defense has been struggling this year and give them all the props for doing what they did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, that is at the end of the day, that is a Super Bowl team. And whether they're playing like it at this moment or not, they were coming off a bye. They had a lot of momentum con uh, coming in far more than Washington did on a four game losing skid. So, um, you know, give Washington all the credit in the world for winning that game. But I mean, we've seen them do this so many times. They rise up, they beat a team that uh, they nobody gives them a chance to beat. And then they lay an egg against a team that uh, that everybody thinks that they should beat, who is equal to or lesser than they are. So. Carolina, I think, is maybe just a tick better than they are. And so, you know, and again, that going up against another tough defense. And it would be great to see uh, Ron Rivera get a win in his old stomping grounds, a place where, ironically, he was fired for losing to Washington in part. But, uh, you know, and to, to see Taylor Heineke, who played for that team, and to see Joey Sly, who played for that team, to see them have a role in winning that game would be great. But I think this game is about Cam Newton. I think that he is, there's a reason why he's going to be the starter. I think he's going to lock down that job. And I think he's going to take the Panthers to the playoffs and, uh, and make Washington really sorry that they didn't sign him. If you look at his numbers, uh, even last year, when everybody said he sucked and he didn't get the job done in new England, his QBR higher than Taylor Heineke's is this season. If you look at his uh, quarterback, his passer rating, comparable to what you are seeing 
with Heineke right now. So again, give Heineke all the credit in the world for having his best game probably ever against Tampa Bay on Sunday. But, uh, you know, I, I think Washington would be a different team if they had Cam Newton. And I think they would be different for the better, especially considering they were a they've struggled so much in the red zone this year. What was Cam doing in his first game? So, no, and, and again, well constructed arguments. And, and I think uh, going back to last year, there's the argument you bring in a Cam Newton to to serve as, as a role model of veteran on this on this team. On, right, and that's Taylor another thing is the Washington defense for years has struggled against guys like that. I mean, you talk about Cam Newton, Dante Culpepper. I mean, the list goes on and on of guys that uh, that they've struggled at those mobile quarterbacks that they have struggled against. I think that's going to be a matchup problem for them, especially without Chase Young on the field to chase him. There's no uh, Montez Sweat to go chase him. You're literally using seventh round draft picks from the last two years to start a defensive end against one of the premier mobile quarterbacks we've ever seen. That's that's a tough ask for that defense. And speaking of being mobile, it's a good thing Taylor Heineke is mobile, even with the five sacks he suffered over the weekend, because again, the Washington offensive line is still not up to speed. But before we get to you, George Wallace, again, Taylor Heineke proved on Sunday why I thought, again, this is not about him being the quarterback of the future, but any guy that, that slept on his sister's couch in Georgia while he was still trying to make his way back into professional football was not going to fold up and cry and, and get disappointed and go away. The beauty of Taylor Heineke, the rest of the way, uh, however this ends up, he is going to come out and try to make something happen every week and compete hard. And that will give Washington a chance. George Wallace. I don't know how many times I need to tell uh, Mr. Woodfork uh, that the Cam Newton thing. If, yeah. Would they be better with him right now? Yes, but that's not what the deal is. He's looking for a long-term quarterback, which, by the way, this franchise probably will never find. Let's be honest about that. Okay? And The Lions are still looking (laughs) after six years. It was about last year, Alex Smith threw a wrench into the whole thing. He came back, played well to get to the playoffs. You think you have Dwayne Haskins. You get rid of him. Heineke comes in. We know the story. He wasn't going to bring Cam here. He's not the quarterback of the future, and that's what Ron's looking for. And – you know, who knows what happened with the two of them? Obviously, something may have happened because if you're trying to win now, yes, you pick up the phone or you text, whatever you do, you Snapchat, you get Cam Newton if you're trying to win. Okay, I get that, but that's not the deal right now. He's not looking – Cam's not the long, the future of this team, and that's just the bottom line. That's that. That's the end of it there. That's not going to be a thing. So, Cam very well could come out and throw four touchdowns Sunday against his old coach, and they could very easily win the game. And Ron Rivera is it's, – it's a – He's going to tell you it's about the future and it's about finding the long-term solution. How many times has he said this year, winning last year, a terrible 7-9 and nine NFC East, puts the expectations up here, but we're not at that point yet. But it's, so, it's, hard, to, it's hard to swallow that when you pass on a 32-year-old mobile Cam Newton in favor of a 38-year-old immobile Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, oh, by the way, blew out his hip in the first quarter of his first game. As soon as that injury yes. happened, you should have had Cam on the phone, just like Carolina did when they got their quarterback hurt. So, so which leads me to this. Do you th- is it possible that Ron doesn't bring him in because he doesn't want to – because of the expectation comment that he knows they could win this year and you don't want to set them even higher because he knows – they're more than just a quarterback away. I'm just no, saying. That, that's that's a great no. point. I never thought of that. 
No, oh, good. thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Put that in your column. You're yeah. your column. Yeah, let's give uh, George Wallace. We got to give bonus points for a couple of things. That's good long-term thinking, and also eleven weeks into the DC sports huddle, and we just had a Snapchat reference, if I heard correctly, by George Wallace saying that apparently. Hey, I could have said TikTok. Be... I could have said TikTok. I know Dave's big on TikTok. Preston's on the TikTok. I know. That's what the kids yeah. are doing now. Well, he's Dave's my TikTok influencer, and because of that, right. even though I follow you on TikTok, Dave, I want your thoughts on the DC sports huddle. Jump in here. Oh, well, I, I, you know, the, the Newton signing is a great shot in the arm for the Panthers offense that I think is 32nd in the NFL in passer efficiency. Uh, you know, they, they, this is a Panthers team that their defense is in the top quarter, maybe even in the top 10 in most categories. So that's going to be the challenge this upcoming week for, uh, you know, uh, Taylor Heineke and, and the Washington offense that has been consistently uneven this season. They've had some issues in the uh, in the red zone. They didn't have it this past Sunday against Tampa Bay, but it's it's going to be a challenge to go on the road, take on a defense that's fourth best in the league at getting off the field on third down, tied for fourth in the league in sacks, especially after you gave up five sacks against Tampa Bay. Uh, once again, we saw this past week Washington winning the. It's it's not a must win as much as it's a precipice win that if you lose you fall off the precipice into complete non-contention that was the win against the Giants that was the win at Atlanta to keep them from going 0-2 and then 1-3 and that was the win this past Sunday to keep them from going 2-7 and so we it'd, be, it'd just be nice to see this team win a non-must must must win game and uh, they're going to have a challenge this Sunday to do so at Carolina I don't think they have what it takes to beat the Panthers on the road and, uh, and that's the other thing is this does have playoff implications, even yeah. though their records are not very good, because as of today, the Panthers sit in that seventh and final NFC wild card. So they are in the driver's seat. Washington needs to win this game in order to have that tiebreaker advantage. And they would, of course, have to go on a roll toward the, uh, you know, to end the season, especially that NFC East gauntlet, because those conference wins, they count in uh, in tiebreaker scenarios. And again, we'll use the hashtag precipice game, right? Precipice, is that the word we're using this week? Something we'll like that. that in a hashtag. All right, so I'm going to throw this out of here. The Washington is, we didn't think, they win against Tampa huge. Suddenly now we're throwing out playoff uh, situation uh, or possibility there. Uh, is the scenario is that the defense continues to play like it did against Tampa Bay and Taylor Heineke doesn't turn the ball over? Is that the, the pathway to a possibility of a playoff or is that oversimplifying it? Dave, I think that's the recipe because last year they rode this defense that had kind of underperformed in the first nine games. They rode it to a four-game winning streak. They were able to, to take advantage of some quarterback matchups. Granted, they don't have that, uh, I guess, they, they don't have that, you know, in front of them this year. They're actually going up against non-backups for the most part, although Cam Newton would technically be a replacement quarterback this Sunday. There, there is a path to the postseason. I think it's also a byproduct of the fact that now you have a seventh team in each conference. So it's almost 50% of each conference you're, you're able to qualify for the playoffs. The NFC is down this year. You look at nine and eight, eight and nine might make the postseason. And while that's good for some, as an NFL fan, I'm not, a, I'm not big on watering down the playoff uh, party. But you know what? You, you qualify and, you know, there's – Qualifying for the playoffs is qualifying for the playoffs. There, you know, there's not an asterisk, even though we all feel that there is with uh, Washington going seven and nine last year, winning the division. 
if Washington goes eight and nine or nine and eight and somehow qualifies as the seventh uh, team in the NFC, nobody's going to put an asterisk on that except I might just for fun. All right. Final thoughts on the Washington football team. George, we'll, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I don't want to <clears throat> get too far ahead of ourselves after last week's. I mean, because they did lose Chase Young also for the rest of the year, too. And no sweats out for a while. So defense is struggling. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice still dealing with a concussion. Um, you know, so they are still thin on the uh, defensive side of the ball. And, I mean, who knows if these offensive guys are going to get back. Logan Thomas still not on the practice field just now. Um, Sam Cosme was available in emergency situations last week along the offensive line. He's still not 100%. You know, look, it could very well easily be Tampa coming off a loss in the bye. They figured they had Washington right where they, you know, they need to show up really and thought they could turn it on in the fourth quarter, which is what I thought they would actually do. Uh, so we'll see how they respond this week. Yeah, of course it gives this team confidence because you got to win against the Super Bowl champs. No matter how you got it done, you got it done. You still beat Tom Brady, and that's just the NFL. If you only play, you only get 17 chances. So, um, you know, it is going to be a lot tougher this week. Cam Newton is going to be fired up. Uh, Carolina is going to be fired up playing Ron Rivera. So they're going to have to match that intensity, go on the road. It is going to be a tough place to play. Um, you know, I don't think they have enough to get it done in Carolina, but we'll see how they respond. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond dealing with coming off the win and just seeing how they can take it into next week and deal with that success that they had uh, from last week. I think that'll tell you a lot. If they come out and play with the same intensity they played with last week and come up, you know, whatever, just short, lose by a field goal, this and that then, okay, maybe you can see that they've got some things heading in the right direction. But if you come out with the same, uh, you know, mental errors, uh, unforced errors, then, you know, you're kind of right back where you, where we thought this team was. And the win over Tampa, I think it was, again, a reminder that Ron Rivera is the coach going forward that no matter what happens the rest of the way, uh, there should not be any consideration of making a change. Because if, if you're, you don't have a coach that you want to play for, you don't have that kind of result Sunday like the Washington Correct. team did against Tampa Bay. And mm -hmm. you don't have this, lo and behold, playoff conversation that we didn't think we'd be having about a week ago. Rob, close the Washington chapter for us. Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just give you my prediction. I think, uh, I think Carolina is going to win 28-17. I think uh, Cam scores all four touchdowns, two by ground, two by air. And uh, Washington gives up. Look, here's the thing. Washington gives up. They, they're, uh, I believe, fourth worst in the league in terms of opponents' passer rating. They uh, Opposing quarterbacks have a 104.8 passer rating against that defense. And uh, I, I just don't see them being able to stop Cam from, uh, from being able to be efficient enough for them to win. And certainly they don't have an answer for his mobility. All right. Washington football team against the Panthers and Cam Newton. And if I we all pick Carolina, Monday. that can only mean that Washington's going to win. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, I actually uh, have Cam catching a touchdown pass. Oh. I, have, I have Cam with the reception. Flea well, either way, you did that twice uh, in Wheeling last the year. the game-winning drive, and it's a 19-11 final score. Either way, the hey, NFL recap with Rob Woodfork on WTOP.com will be must-read on Monday. So He's trying hard for that origami. <laughs> Let, let's shift to the Washington Wizards. Uh, at 10 and 3, as we tape this, this team is for real. It's, it's Wes Unsell Jr. is quickly established himself uh, as someone that is going to guide this team places, period. Full stop, as the hip kids like to say now. 
because I think it, it needs to be noted, this is not a Washington football team, uh, Washington uh, Wizards team, rather. This Wizards team is not at full strength. Uh, Bradley Beals missed three games. No Rui Hachimura. No Thomas Bryant. Just like some of the teams are playing are not at full strength. It, it's early in the season. I think it is significant. They're 3-0 without Bradley Beal. No, don't start the debate. They're a better team without Bradley Beal. They need Bradley Beal. But in past seasons, if you were missing a Beal or a Wall, you'd say, oh, there's really not a chance. That's not the way this team rolls right now. This is a team that is fun because it's playing good fundamental team basketball. And it's doing what winning teams do, like the game against the Cavaliers, like the game against the Pelicans, have a bad half, a bad three quarters, and then come back and break the other team's heart. For years, other teams did that to the Wizards, as they, for a while, would seem like the better team. But ultimately, the team that actually was better would win. Now the tables have turned. The Wizards are flexing their muscles and acting like a better team. I'll start with you, George. I uh, I froze out and jumped out of there, so I let me then pick up what you're going. Go go uh, around the horn. We'll go around the horn. We'll go. We'll go. Yeah, Preston's got that's a nice, that's that's a nice that's intellectual property. We can't. Right. We can't. George, we never said that. We never said those words. Yeah. Right. George was double parked. That was a problem. My day, Preston. You pick up instead. Well, what I like is how this team's doing the little things, and and, and the little things often loom large. Uh, they're, I think, believe they're ninth in the NBA in rebounding margin and turnover margin. So not only are they not, they're going out and winning the little battles on the boards, but they're also not, not beating themselves by turning the ball over a ton. Three pointers. It's it's, it's a three uh, pointer game, and I believe right now the Wizards rank fourth best in the NBA in shooting the three, and they're number one in the NBA in defending the three pointer. And in today's open space game, that can't be uh, discounted enough. Major props to Wes uh, to Wes Unseld Jr. And uh, it, it's a shame that a guy like him didn't get an opportunity like this earlier because. Uh, you see, this is a guy who easily could have been a head coach five years ago, but I'm glad that other teams made the mistake of not hiring him. I'm glad that he's in D.C. And Tommy Sherr gets some credit because he assembled a roster and just receiving a, a contract extension, a roster that now has options and shooters everywhere. And we're seeing that because they don't win these games where they didn't maybe perform their best against the Pelicans or against the Cavaliers, unless you have guys like Kyle Kuzmer or Contavious Caldwell Pope, they can make big shots down the stretch. Rob? Yeah, and uh, Dave is great at, uh, at giving us the stats, but I'm going to give you the eye test. I mean, when you watch this team and you watch one of their games, you could throw the record out. If you didn't show me the record, I would say that that's a good team that's just toward the top of their conference because they play, uh, they play with heart, they play with passion, they play with um, – uh, they, you can tell that they're well coached. They play with discipline. So, I mean, just watching this team play, it just feels different than it has in years past. And that's not a slight or a dig at the other uh, coaches that preceded uh, Wes Unsell Jr. But I mean, just he's got them at a level that is beyond anything that we have seen in recent years. And the uh, comparison that comes to mind is uh and i know i'm not trying to say that they're about to three-peat twice but it reminds me of the chicago bulls during the michael jordan era where you had doug collins and he was getting them to the playoffs and they were a good team but once they got phil jackson that took them to another level so if wes unsell jr is like the phil jackson of dc 
that's a great, great hire. And that's kind of what it feels like right now. I think Wizards fans are legitimately excited and they have a right to be excited about this team. Because Wes Unsell Jr. is guiding this team. And that's a big reason why to be excited. He's not caught up in 10 and three, as he so eloquently put. Uh, they have bigger things that they want accomplished going forward. And I'll, I'll say it again. I believe Wes Unsell Jr. is more prepared than any NBA head coach in the history of the game. And that, I say again, is because he grew up with a franchise legend, Hall of Famer as a father. He grew up in that locker room, the championship bullets, and basketball literally has been his life. And he won't talk about this, but there's so much in that brain of Wes Unsell Jr. from so many experiences from his childhood to scouting to video work. Uh, he's better prepared, I think, because of the way he was raised than any NBA coach in history, and that will bode well for the Wizards. I know it sounds dramatic, but again, I can't think of a Hall of Fame son that has been put into this kind of coaching position. Somebody. It's funny, I would love to love to have seen and i know it's you know you look back whatever and, and the whole scott brooks thing and you know is the roster's different but i just have a hard time believing that you know with, with the roster that tommy's put together now and uh, yes you lose russell westbrook but i just, i would like to have seen and i'm not taking anything away from west just talking here as amongst the four of us nobody else is listening uh scott brooks with this team no i mean that's that i mean that's a good question because yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. I mean, from a roster standpoint, well, I mean, they are they're deeper and they are better than they were. Right, I think right. the, than they were last year. All the pieces that yeah. they got in that Russell Westbrook trade have so far they've paid off big dividends. So I I, I like this team. I like the fact that they've got big bruisers uh, around the rim. I like the fact that they have shooting on the perimeter. I mean, that's a team that can match up against uh, some 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 good teams pretty well there in the playoffs. No, and I think George makes a good point, and Rob, you said it best. As we compliment Wes Unsell Jr., this is not a slight on Scott Brooks or anyone uh, before him because it, it is different rosters, it's different situations. All we're saying in terms of Wes Unsell Jr. is that he is the one that is coaching the team now, and yeah. he is more than prepared to have success with this team. All right, we've reached the point, the audible at the uh, line of scrimmage, uh, George, so you don't get double parked again. Well, uh, do, do you have any, anything else on, on your mind uh, before we close this edition of DC Sports Huddle? I'm calling it that it's finally going to happen this week. It, Mike Loxley is right. It's almost time to beat a top 10 opponent. This is the week Maryland gets it done against Michigan at home and becomes bowl eligible for the first time. That's it. That's my audible. That's my hot take. It's got to happen at some point. I mean, it doesn't have to happen at some point. You'd like to see it happen at some point. But I think this is the week it's going to happen. All right, Rob Woodfork. All right. I'm, because and only because Chris Cheon isn't here, he's a Seton Hall grad. So I'm going to give his uh, Seton Hall team some props. On the same day that Juwan Howard, the former Bullet, gets a five year contract extension at Michigan, this uh, Seton Hall knocks off the Wolverines and probably out of that number four spot. Uh, in the rankings. So uh, uh, big ups to uh, Seton Hall for more than 30 years later, avenging that loss in the championship. Game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the same I'm going to say the Washington give them some love to the Washington spirit. They're going to win the NWSL title this Saturday when they take on Chicago. Trinity Rodman is going to, 19 year old Trinity Rodman will score the, the game winning goal 
They'll win it uh, two to one, and it will will cap an incredible uh, story of, of a team that for a while didn't have a, a practice field it, it could go to because there was so much turmoil in its front office and and with its ownership group. And and I don't know if we can point to any other situation in, in sports where a team wins a championship uh, when so many fans of that team are using the Twitter handle or hashtag sell the team as they are, are, are angry with the owner. So there's been so much that we think is going on behind the scenes. I say we think because we don't even know totally the magnitude of what it is. We hear things like toxic work culture and, and uh, allegations of harassment. So we don't know all the specifics. All we know is this team has gone on, on an incredible run uh, to win a playoff game on the road uh, in Tacoma, Washington, which was underwater last week because of a, a rainstorm. And to get to where they are, it, it's an incredible story. And I don't think uh, it's going to stop uh, on Saturday. Now, that was also, uh, as I was calling an audible at the line of scrimmage, I was expanding on my audible because I wanted Dave Preston to get his audible <laughs> in before we close the D.C. Wait, sports huddle. So real, real I, I was fast. doing a little uh, – what? Real fast, Dave J., you're talking about sell the team, toxic work calls. Which team are you talking about? The one I'm with right here or the other the soccer team? Ooh, uh, that's I, rough. I was thinking it, but George said it. I was thinking it. But no, Although but, the difference but, is the difference is the team Dave's talking about is actually winning and in well, championship. There's that, so, and that's yeah. and, and that's what I was gonna say. To Dave's point, I mean, to be able to thrive in that culture is exceedingly remarkable because yeah. again, if you have all of that swirling around you and then it's public and then that's, you know, causing more controversy. I mean, to be able to win and advance in the playoffs and keep that focus and, and be that good amidst all that. I mean, hats off to them. And I, I hope they complete the feat. And uh, it would be great if Trinity Rodman does score that because she's already the youngest player in the league's history to score a goal in the playoffs. So it would only be that much more remarkable if uh, a literal teenager is the one who leads you to a championship. All right. And then we'll call Dennis Rodman, Trinity Rodman's dad, not vice versa. All right. <laughs> right. Hey, Preston, close this up. Uh, audible at the line, uh, Virginia Tech making a big coaching change this week. Uh, Justin Fuente gone after almost six years. The classic case of the tortoise and the hare in the Commonwealth. Uh, Fuente led Virginia Tech to the Coastal Division his first season. At the helm the same year in Charlottesville, you had Bronco Mendenhall's team going 2-10. and 10. You look at the programs all these years later, it feels like UVA is in the right place. They've made the right moves slowly but surely. While what, for whatever reason, Virginia Tech couldn't capture the early momentum, there will be a lot of questions pointed as you know, far as not getting the right quarterback, Bud Foster, not really gelling well long-term because he, he's uh, gone. Uh, he retired a few years ago. Uh, the question moving forward for Virginia Tech is how good is that job going to be? Because even though it is in the coastal, even though it is a potential gem of, as far as a coaching job, I think Frank Beamer, his long tenure, he made the Virginia Tech job much better than it actually might be. So do they go uh, – the, previously they went for a group of five head coach. That's what brought Justin Fuente to uh, campus. Do they go for a, a high – level assistant here I, I everyone else in the acc coastal is watching with bated breath because they know that a virginia tech that's very good as they were the first seven years or so they were in the acc they can dominate that division so uh big news on that front and it's it's it, we cover these guys uh different coaches and even though he's got a good severance package it, it, it's it, you always feel 
bad on one level for these coaches who are, are no longer employed because you know, they didn't take this job to get fired. And uh, their legacy has changed, obviously. So no. interesting times ahead for Virginia Tech. He's got $10 million yeah. to, to hang out for a little bit. So he's all right. Yeah, right. pretty much. Well, and there's a, this is probably a topic for another time. And again, nobody wants to get fired no matter what they get paid. No. But ESPN did a story about uh, if you take all the money owed to football coaches who have been fired in college sports, uh, you've got the gross national product of, of you know. Uh, 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 oh, it's amazing. It's, 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 a, yes. it's an amazing number. And that's a whole other thing about the money that's placed on coaches in college sports. But we're up against the clock on the, the D.C. sports huddle. And George has to get back to a Snapchat account. So, you know, that's going to do it for us this week. We thank you for your time. Uh, Dave President, Rob Woodfork, I'm Dave Johnson, along with the Snapchatter, George Wallace. This is the D.C. sports huddle. Break. Break.